Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv. This time I am talking with Liam Dempsey and Matt Brothers, along with Aristotle the Axolotl. Thanks for being here, guys. Oh, hello, mate. Thanks, Unfortunately, man. Aristotle the Axolotl is now deceased, so, mm. <laughs> so he will not be joining us. He uh, lives on so. in mascot form forevermore. Yeah, 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 he does. He lives on in our podcast art. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, he. I'm not sure when he died, Matt, but it was a it was a couple of years ago now, wasn't it? Oh, God, it might be a couple of years. Uh, well, you know, until Spotlight 3, the search for Aristotle, and we go get him back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's still yeah. hope. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. I'm getting, I'm getting uh, yeah, Star Trek references from the two people that weren't Trekkies before this started. Oh, I know, yeah, you had yeah, to get yeah. this at me before. <laughs> I was about to say, brilliant that Aristotle's dead, Martin. <laughs> How dare you? I know. <laughs> Shall I take that out or not? I'll have to think about that. I mean, you'll get cancelled uh, this rate, mate, from all the Axolotl fans. <laughs> oh, it's tribute. We love him. <laughs> Rest yeah. in peace, Aristotle. I feel bad now. I'll just throw the script away. Oh. <laughs> right. So... How were you first introduced to podcasting then, um, Matt? Uh, for me, I think, in terms of podcasts as like a medium, I think the first ones I remember listening to was way back in 2008 when I was actually living with Liam down in Bournemouth. Um, there was one called Creative Screenwriting Magazine, which later morphed into the Q&A with Jeff Goldsmith, which was kind of a interview show with screenwriters in movies. And that was the first one I remember sort of subscribing to and tracking down like I remember just listening to it on iTunes back in the day and then since then you know the, the whole medium's kind of exploded and there's a whole bunch more that's come along and then it was only about you know four or five years ago when we started thinking about doing one ourselves when we realized we we're in a right sort of situation to kind of think about that and do something for ourselves but yeah in terms of the podcast itself that was that was it that one back in the day and then since then it's just really expanded ever since okay uh, how about yourself, Liam? Were you introduced the same? Uh, not exactly, no. Um, Crave Screenwriting Magazine is definitely a really early one for me as well yep. because uh, me and Matt used to live together uh, in Bournemouth um, back between 2008 and 2010 and I do remember us like listening to that early doors um, before kind of you know podcasts were a huge thing but the first thing that I listened to which I I think to be honest is probably the first one for most people was the Ricky Gervais show Um, the uh, Ricky Gervais podcast or whatever it was called uh, back in the day uh, with Carl Pilkington and Steve Merchant and I actually funnily enough my introduction was through that was I picked up the, they released like a kind of CD box set of the best of the first series. And this shows how kind of early days it was really because of the fact that it was still a thing, podcast, it wasn't really considered a legitimate medium at that stage because um, there were so few of them and people didn't really know what it was, how you get it or anything like that. I mean, people aren't always so okay with podcasts now. So then it, re- it really was a stretch. And, um, yeah, I remember picking up uh, in the sale, like, a CD box set of the kind of first season because they'd obviously gone, like, oh, we need to legitimise this and release it on actual physical CD format. 
uh, listening yeah. to that and thinking it was absolutely hilarious and then just wanting more and then so I went in search and found that like you know they'd released further series since then and obviously had to find how you would get them uh, through iTunes or whatever the case and I think that's the first thing that kind of got me into podcasts um, but for a long time it was a case of the, the podcasts I was listening to were kind of few and far between and it would just be more of a case of I'd hear about something um, and be like oh yeah I want to check that out and then just individually find that episode to kind of download and I think it wasn't really until probably around kind of 2000 an 11 or something like that that I think I kind of regularly went all in kind of making sure I had a kind of podcast app on my phone or anything like that and started kind of listening on the regs to things like uh, the Kermode and Mayo film podcast uh, some of Kevin Smith's podcasts uh, you know much to my shame now The Nerdist uh, <laughs> which of course uh, you know long since uh, kind of probably been removed from um from Apple Podcasts for involving Chris Hardwick and uh, yeah I think that's kind of when I started to get him into proper yeah alright before we go into the show history uh, as already mentioned I'm talking to the two members of the uh, am I right in saying that neither of you had any, had any knowledge or or had no history with Star Trek before doing the show I'd say you had very small history, right, Liam? But I was definitely com- nearly completely separate from it. It was one of those franchises that I just never really got involved with until, you know, the later years. So it was an interesting prospect for us to jump into this. Yeah, I mean, Matt was the one with the least. Uh, Paul, who's our other co-host, who's not here today, um, he was the one with the most in terms of, I would say he... I'd say he was like a Star Trek fan, like to to a point. Yeah, he, he back, definitely back was. In. I mean, that so that's since come out, hasn't it? Because I went to yeah. I went to school with Paul, and I remember Star Trek being the thing that you could not like during school years for without fear of a beating. So I think he kept it on the down low, but he was definitely the like you know he's he's a he's a huge film fan anyway. So I think he had encyclopedic knowledge of all the movies, regardless because of the fact they were films rather yeah. than the fact they were Star Trek. So. I, you know, he he'd make the odd reference to some of the older ones that I recognise through his, in, you know, impersonations or what or what have you. But yeah, it was pretty. But pretty I think novice he to was it. kind of lapsed, wasn't he? In terms of, yeah. he was like he was a big fan back in the day. Um, I think probably like you know certainly when I first met him, I still remember. I think he was still kind of watching some Star Trek and stuff like you know around kind of um, two thousand and three when I met you guys, kind of thing. Yeah, like, yeah. And then, but by the time we did the podcast, I think he'd sort of lapsed apart from going to the see the new films. Yeah. Um, but and with that's me, the mad thing, isn't it? Because like when we started, of course, Trek wasn't as exploding as it is now with all the yeah, various yeah, shows. When true. we started, that's of true. course, you know, Star Trek Beyond was due to come out, but other than that, it was kind of dead in the water. So it was a good t- good time to jump back on. So yeah, that's the thing. We, had, oh, we had no idea it was about exploding again. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm in the middle um, in terms of I'd seen all of the films uh, just through being, but that's again through being a film fan rather than a Star Trek fan. And I'd seen kind of you know various Star Trek episodes back in the day, like just kind of watching TV at six pm on like BBC Two. Um, but so I was kind of intermediate. Put Matt knew like nothing, and Paul was the one who 
out of us you could legitimately probably call a fan uh, but we thought if we all go in from a sort of non-trekky perspective on it then it will be something different so how did the idea come with in the first place so basically um it kind of started when we made a short film uh, together because we've all got film backgrounds. We all did various different kinds of film degrees, uh, stuff like that. So we've always made our short films together. And the last one that we all made together was a kind of comedy horror called Nightmare at Knoll Hill. And we wrote it in 2015 um, and then actually shot it in kind of the, uh, the very very start of 2016 and the film was about was centered around um, two characters who are podcasters in the film and we were kind of using it to kind of satirize lad culture and different things because they're kind of hosting a kind of laddy uh, podcast called Talking Bollocks Um, and doing that actually randomly kind of gave us uh, the germ, the idea to do a podcast of our own through kind of satirising it, and then Paul and I started talking about it and talking about if we did a podcast, it would probably be a film podcast. And we were both big fans of a podcast called James Bonding, um, okay. which is a podcast uh, hosted by Matt Myra and uh, Matt Gawley, uh, where they go through the entire uh, James Bond film series. And we thought, oh, maybe we could do a podcast like that, where we're kind of going through a filmography um, or a series of films. And then it was actually my birthday uh, in 2016, and we were all out together for a night out. And Paul was talking to Matt, and we all suddenly turned around, and right, Paul was like, right, I've t- spoke to Matt. You know, we reckon, let's do the podcast idea, and what about we do the Star Trek film series? Because 13 films... Yeah, it's not too much of a commitment, but there's enough movies there. Like, you know, we could do that, just see how it goes. And, you know, Matt has Matt at that point had never, like, seen any of them apart from the JJ one. So it was like, oh, well, it'll be new for him. That would be cool. Uh, so we were like, okay, cool, let, let, let's do this. And very quickly, it kind of came together because my birthday's in May. And by July we were recording the uh, first episode. Um, so, yeah, we, we recorded that in July and we ended up recording about three episodes of the show before we actually released it um, in September 2016. We actually dropped the first episode on the 50th anniversary of Star Trek uh, mm. in September Which was a complete coincidence, right, wasn't it? It was mad. But Yeah, I, yeah, I remember, it was a complete coincidence, yeah. I remember feeling like... Um, Oh, when we settled on kind of the the subject matter, I was like, "This is this is great. This is a really cool idea." And also, from what I gathered from podcasts, like if there was one subject that was over publicized through the podcast medium, it was Star Trek. Like every big Star Trek fan out there seemed to have a, a Star Trek podcast. So we were like, "This is great," and it's going to be a challenge because it's great in that our angle was specifically very different in the fact that it was three non Trekkies having a go because every other show out there seemed to be people who knew their stuff they knew everything back and front and it was Star Trek podcast for Star Trek fans and we were very early on like oh we can turn ours into a kind of Star Trek for beginners type show like a Star Trek book club like you watch along with us and the prospect like Liam said of there being 13 films and they were famously you know good and bad good and bad um, 
would meant there'd be a lot to talk about in a film criticism way. And the fact that we weren't full-on hardcore fans meant that we could kind of take that step back and poke a bit of fun and criticize maybe more than some other shows would. And so, yeah, once we got recording on those first three and then started releasing on the 50th anniversary, that was pretty much around the time that, like, Star Trek Discovery was being announced. And and it was, very funny enough, the beginning of this new Star Trek, like, boom of content that we're in again now. So it was very... Because if we'd started the show even a year or two before when we did, we would have kind of just been floundering around. Not that there's, you know, a lack of content from all the shows and movies, but it would have been a few years into the show before new stuff started happening. Whereas the way it worked out, by the time we finished our initial movie run, that was around the time Discovery was starting, and it all just kind of timed together really well. Yeah, and that was completely by accident, or did you know that that was coming up? Completely by accident. Like we, I think, I think Discovery had maybe been announced by by the time our first episode came out. Into um, because I think it, you know it was in production for quite a long time, so I think it probably had been announced that there was a new Star Trek TV show in development, but we we certainly weren't really thinking that far ahead, and also. No. It had been so long since there had been a Star Trek TV show on the air, not since, since Enterprise finished in like 2004 or something like that, and Discovery was kind of suffering so many pre-production problems that I think a part of us was like, oh, this ain't even going to happen. Yeah, um, I think the idea would have all... been, like, we, we'd literally seen Star Trek Beyond in cinemas pretty much around the time we started recording, and I think in our heads we were figuring... We'll, we'll go through all the movies and by the time we've finished Star Trek 4 the movie will be out and then that'll be where we end <laughs> and of course that film never materialised and instead all the TV shows took off so so very quickly though you came to the end of the 13 films what happened then? do you, do you want me to say this Matt? Or? Uh, well uh, yeah I'll say we 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 got to the end and then we did our we did a kind of ranking episode which which felt like a bit of a finale to I guess what became phase one of the show, and then we figured like right what's a way we can tackle the, all the TV shows as well without just becoming like some insanely huge recap show or going through it all in order and we figured let's approach the TV as if we're novices as well so our first round of the TV based episodes were where we would get on someone who was like a guest who was a big fan of each particular series and we would watch the pilot episode so we kind of got a grounding with it and a and a, an episode picked by the guests that they thought best represented it so we went through each of the main shows the the original series animated series next gen deep space nine voyager enterprise and kind of tackled them from a uh, non-trek perspective as well with a hardcore fan and then that kind of opened up a whole new world for us as well and then around the same time we started just branching out into bonus episodes interviews uh, special thematic episodes where we'd look at things like the comedy or the music or whatever it was a very specific thing um, you know the worst of the worst kind of episodes spoofs of the of the franchise and then this gave us enough life to kind of just carry on and on with the idea being that we'd eventually return to the TV series as a whole with us being a bit more clued in and bring on another new guest who was now the novice and we'd bring an episode we recommended for them, which is a series we're still going through as well. Yeah, and then you've got the other interesting side uh, where you're looking at things that are related 
by such as when you sh when you had the the day the earth stood still and the andromeda strain and their films that are directed by a star trek director so or you have something where a star trek act is in them as opposed to them being a star trek episode as well have you I've, I've not listened to all of them yet i'm bitten and bobbing as, as i'm sure that you've noticed have you done the Columbo yet with with Mr. Shatner? Yeah, we have. So basically, yeah, you, you're picking up on two um, other friends of the podcast uh, that we started over time. So in uh, we started Spotlight at the Movies, um, which is the thread of our podcast where we look at a film featuring a member of Star Trek alumni either in front or behind the camera. And we started that in kind of late 2018, um, and it was yeah it was just a way of branching out what we were doing on the show really because as i said we're all film fans and that's what we are kind of first really and as much as we were all really getting into kind of the world of star trek and really enjoying it i think we were eager to be able to branch out and potentially talk about other things while making sure that there was still a clear kind of um, callback to the world of Star Trek. So thematically, the podcast all held together. So what we came up with was Spotlight the Movies because uh, Star Trek is such a gigantic franchise um, that's featured so many um, amazing kind of actors, directors, writers that you could link back so many films to it. But we came up with kind of strict rules of you know the person who's the Star Trek link had to be someone who'd actually made a major contribution to the world of Star Trek. So it couldn't be you know the best boy on one of the films or the grip on one of the TV series or anything like that. It had to be someone major, um, and they had to have a significant role uh, within the film that we were discussing as well um, you know or something do something important um, within that film so from that we kind of uh, got a list together of like over 200 films uh, and we were like okay yeah we can start kind of going through this and kind of getting guests on to pick uh, films and stuff like that and very very quickly it, it became just a, a great way of expanding out the show and what it was about and having the chance to kind of get into kind of critical film analysis which you know we're all really really into um and stuff we're all kind of completely passionate about cinema and yeah it was really fun to do and then uh, as a result of that just literally this year um, we kind of spun off from that on screen, which is another section of our podcast now, um, which is where we look at a episode of an iconic show uh, like Columbo or Miami Vice, which have been the first two, um, featuring a major kind of Star Trek star in kind of like a guest role or something like that. So we started with uh, George Takei's episode of Miami Vice, where he plays a bad guy in one of those episodes, and then we moved on to uh, Columbo, as you say, uh, with the first appearance of William Shatner uh, in that show because yeah. he's been on twice uh, in the seventies, and we were joined by Chris Hewitt. Uh, who's one of the uh, main uh, writers for Empire Magazine, obviously hosts their podcast as well, uh, to talk about that as he's a big Columbo fan. So, yeah, we, it's just, we've just found ways of kind of basically branching out and expanding what the podcast is about. And, of course, eventually you'll get to that classic Columbo episode with uh, Leonard Nimoy in as well. What is it? What's it called? Stitching Crime? 
Yeah, well, funny enough, Chris did mention this on the um, on the podcast, and this was the thing we didn't. I didn't actually realise that Nimoy had been on it at that time, and he actually talked about it on that episode. So I'm not not sure if we'll go back um, to the world of Columbo or not. I think we've kind of. I think with the on-screen episodes, I think probably once we've covered like a, a TV show kind of thing we've probably covered it and probably going to move yeah like we tried to mention on. as much about the other appearances didn't we in yeah, that one exactly. and there's a ton of TV yeah. out there but it's, I guess it's finding finding the ones from the time as well the time being like either 70s, 80s or 90s when these Trek actors were still around either being in the movies or, or stuff but having those kind of prolific guest spots in otherwise iconic shows um, rather than something like, say, Boston Legal, which is just a William Shatner-led show, like this is kind of mm. more of a deep divey part. Although, you know, that that could come up. Who knows? I'd definitely be up for doing Boston Legal <laughs> at, yeah. at some point, and especially as um, my uh, my wife hosts an Ali McBill podcast. Uh, so, kind of, it would make total sense as David E. Kelly is the kind of creative crossover uh, there. So, yeah, definitely up for some Boston Legal at some point. <laughs> Yeah, but and you you can't do every single episode of Heroes that George Takei's been in either. <laughs> no, yes. we we, are, we we cannot, or we wouldn't want to, Martin. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, have you got a structure that you follow for the show? Uh, do you want to take this, Matt? Or yeah, I guess we're kind of loosey goosey, aren't we? We don't really have kind of features or stuff. We kind of. You know, we 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 always go through and ask our guests. You know, what are your Star Trek credentials? So that's kind of up top to kind of set the the tone for a show being about you know coming from non trekkie So we you know we get people in, and whether they are a huge Trek fan or not, it's kind of been a fifty fifty split really, depending on who we've had on. You know, we find out what their personal relationship with the show is and the movies and, and what they like, what they've seen, um, and then it's kind of just a kind of sprawling discussion about the thing in question and then uh, towards the end really is it it's not really much other features that we pop in I think each strand of the show itself kind of is its own feature in a way that kind of dictates what we focus on what we talk about I think when we do interviews with people who have been involved in the world of track what we tend to do is split the interview so we tend to do kind of Trek related questions up top and kind of get them out of the way and then go into kind of non Trek related stuff because we try and when we have an interview I would guess try and meld those two so they're not just talking about Star Trek they also talk about the rest of their career as well yeah um, but we found that yeah. often like opens them up doesn't it as well because it's yes, like a lot of these people who are, so. who are very well known for being in Trek you can tell that if they've been interviewed another Trek podcast or anywhere really the, probably the majority of their questioning comes in the form of oh what was it like doing blah 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 in in your Star Trek and, and so you know we, we try and deep dive and find everything else they've done and I think it surprises them when they you know when they hear that they're coming on another Star Trek show and then we you know we, we have the deep chat about Star Trek and then be like oh you've also been in this or you started out in advertisements over here or you you know did something completely different like we do like to try and cover everything about our guests when they come on even if they are specifically known for a very big Trek thing so how do you pick those guests and how do you get those guests to say yeah I'll come on your show and you know they don't go who are these strange people what are they asking me to do oh, this that's the magic of you Liam isn't that? it yeah. <laughs> um, yes I mean I basically book 
the vast majority of the guests on the show. I mean, that there have been a few um, that have kind of come from you guys, haven't there? Like uh, Adelaide Philippe, who was yep. a kind of concept designer on Star Trek Discovery. She was a some a colleague or friend of yours. Yeah, yeah, um, she was on a short film of mine back in the day. And then same with Adam Langston, who is a composer who came on to yeah. talk the music. Okay. Uh, I'd worked with him before as well. Yeah, and with Paul, obviously, he was friends with Derek Arnold, who's one of the Star Wars puppeteers. Uh, he came on to talk about uh, The Force Awakens and stuff. But aside from that, really, um, yeah, the majority of the guests are, are booked by me. And so, I mean, we have, I'd say I mean, we started out with quite a deep bench of kind of people who are just friends of ours. Um, who have kind of interesting things going on in their lives. I mean, we didn't um, get someone on who we didn't know at all for a little while. Like All of the movie episodes uh, are all kind of populated by, um, you know, friends of ours, really. It's just that mm. we happen to know quite a lot of people who do some cool things, like, you know, David Chumble, who's one of my best friends, um, like you know he's a story artist for major uh, animated films uh, in Hollywood and everything like that and he lives in America and he's been on the show three times um, now um, and yeah we've, we've had various different people on um, like that other friends who are podcasters and things but I'd say the first big kind of outside guest really um, was Robert Salin who uh, was the producer of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan um, and he kind of he actually came from David which is why why I mentioned him because basically as I say David lives in the States and it turned out that basically a kind of friend of a friend of a friend um, was related to Robert Salen, who produced Wrath of Khan, which is probably you know the most celebrated, iconic Star Trek film. And he literally just asked for a kind of introduction, and then uh, emailed him, like explained about the show, and was like, you know, would you be up for coming on my friend's podcast, or at least like introducing uh, you to them? And he was kind of open to it. So I started emailing with him. Uh, it took us a while to kind of organise something, but eventually we did, and we interviewed him. Really, it was it was well, it was basically a year into the show. Um, mm. We'd just come to the end of kind of the movies, and we were kind of looking at what we were doing next. And suddenly, we had the chance to put this interview together, and we were like, "Wow!" Like you know, the first proper track guest we get is the producer of kind of you know one of the biggest movies and we were all quite nervous and we kind of went into it and we kind of did it remotely um via kind of skype and yeah he was he was fantastic he was great he was an absolute raconteur and so uh, friendly and warm and kind to us and we just had this really kind of deep dive interview where we talked about for the first half of the podcast his experience and kind of working on Rafa Khan and it, it was kind of cool because his role in the film hasn't actually been talked about that much because obviously 
there was kind of multiple producers on the film, but he was the one who was basically the most hands-on and actually was responsible for a lot of, of the big stuff um, that's kind of celebrated about Rafa Khan. And he hadn't really told his side of the story that much. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And um, after that, I think it just gave... I mean, all of us, but certainly me as the person who was starting to look to kind of book people for the show, a kind of newfound confidence because I was kind of like, hey, you know what? We've had this guy on who was like, you know, producer of one of the biggest sci-fi films of all time. Um, you know, let's let's go with this. Let's just try and go for broke and, you know, if people say no, they say no and, uh, you know, whatever. And so I just started uh, doing it and I... In terms of advice for people who are kind of looking to book guests and stuff, I can't really give any advice except just go for it because the, the worst that can happen is that they'll ignore you or say no. Um, that, that's literally the worst thing that can happen. And yeah. really, that's essentially no loss. Um, I would say that I haven't had much success with booking people through like management or agents or anything like that. Not to say that um, some of those people haven't been very helpful uh, because some of them some have, but I think it's just, I think it's difficult sometimes because it gives a level of disconnect uh, to who you try to talk to. I think basically most of the time it's best to go just direct uh, to be able, and through the age of social media, you have that opportunity. Um, so, you know, I, I think yeah, especially something know, with you know as low key as a podcast. Like, it's not like you're offering yes. them a role in a in an indie film through social media. You're just kind of going, "Hey, we do this. If you're interested, drop me a line back." And it's no big deal either way, really. So yeah, exactly. I think that's the thing. You have to just go. You're not putting your kind of like absolute hopes and dreams on this. You just go, just go for it. And I think that's that's the big thing for a lot of people. Just having the confidence, just go for it. Ask and just put it out there because at the end of the day it's like what you, what you're asking a person for is is some is their time basically you know is he's got you ask them to give you some of their time and that is kind of valuable and that's understandable um if they kind of say no um but if you make it as kind of you know easy as possible for them to do uh then you know I mean, most of the time i think people even if you have to kind of spend a bit of time arranging it, will probably be up for it. Um, if if you can show that you've got, I think with us, the more kind of more guests we've had and the more kind of um, history on the show we've built, the easier it becomes because you can kind of point to, hey, we've had this person, this person, this person, and they all been on and you know you can hear their episodes they seem to enjoy it um so you know maybe you'd be up for being on and then uh, i think a lot of people kind of go oh okay i suppose if they've had that person on and that person they can't be too crazy so we'll we'll give it a go yeah i think it definitely helps that you know the star trek community is one of the the friendliest out there i think like everyone's been so lovely there's been no egos involved mm. and and the, the sort of people we've been able to reach i mean you know we managed to chat with shazad latif one of the main leads yeah. from star trek discovery 
and he was just he was so chilly it was just like just come round me mum's and we'll have a cup of tea and like you know we did it in his bedroom it was like oh hello <laughs> uh, yeah no that was that was great and it's yeah and they're, they're really amazing experiences um, kind of doing those kind of episodes and I think you know there, there, there's no understating that uh, obviously one of our earliest guests after Bob was the great Richard Donner uh, who is you know I, I don't think it's kind of <laughs> uh, blowing it up to say one of the most like iconic directors of all time um, and it literally he just happened to be very close friends with, with Bob Salen uh, who we'd kind of you know uh, done the interview with and he'd really enjoyed um, doing the interview and he'd mentioned that he was really close friends with uh, Dick Donner during the interview and it just naturally in a conversation uh, with him uh, kind of came around to like oh perhaps I could ask him if he would like to be interviewed he's got no Star Trek connections um, in terms of he has he's never worked on it but obviously it's a you know major iconic director would you be interested of course we were and um, and we got Richard on the show uh, just a couple of months after Bob yeah. and it was it was absolutely amazing I think. I think once you've had something like that on the show, it kind of just gives you a little bit of cachet to go like, you know, hey, we've had the guy who directed Superman, The Omen, The Goonies, Scrooged, all the lethal weapons yeah. on the show. That's quite, <laughs> quite that's a, that's a good there's a good thing to have in your back pocket. Um, yeah, I think that was such a huge fluke, really, like looking back. <laughs> it was just yeah, like, this is fantastic. And obviously, you know, a guy like Dick Donner, his career is so big. Of course, he turns out, you know, he had worked with people like Shatner and Patrick Stewart yes, and things. So we could still bring yeah. it back around. But I remember us doing that and just, you know, the three of us being on Skype with Hollywood legend Richard Donner. And we're just in like a small, uh, you know, residential house on the outskirts of Brighton. It's just like, how... How is this happening? No one in the street has any idea who we're talking to in this house. It was so, so surreal. And for that to be our sort of second main interview really, really uh, set the bar. And it was great. I'm, I'm guessing it helps matters, though, that you, you, have, uh, you have this history yourselves sort of to a degree in the industry. And you've got those people that, that know people, so to speak. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't really think we have like I, I I don't think it could be said that we have a history in the industry I mean we, it, no. like we've all we've all studied kind of film and we've all got you know we've all got credits on the IMDB in terms of small little things we've done um, but I mean in terms of uh, history I don't, yeah I don't think we've got any kind of anything you could point to in general we could go it's funny, like, yeah I oh. think with something I think with something like with us knowing Dave of course this was really before he was getting his animation side of his career yes. going as well And but of course that you're right these things do um, trickle down of course and, and that was pure luck that Dave knew someone who knew someone who knew Bob Salen and then as we I think as we've grown as a show just through social media connections Twitter connections you connect with other podcasts and it gets ever more easier to kind of reach out to guests who maybe you want who have been on shows you know and, and every other connection you make it, it shortens that bridge between getting them and it's so the six it's, degrees of separation yeah, yeah. Isn't it, basically yeah. in terms of yeah that's exactly it I mean I would say that you know the, the film degree that I did um, is kind of 
you know, one of the most respected kind of courses for for film in Europe, or at least it was at the time I did it. And you know, there was a big. It was the biggest class I think they'd ever taken um, that year, which is why I got in. And literally, there's so you're working with so many talented people in somewhere like that, and forming friendships that will last for life. And I think naturally, you know, you just end up being friends with a lot of interesting people who go on to do interesting things. Um, and through that, you have the, the, the connections in kind of that way. And as Matt says, like, you know, we've now been doing the podcast for over four years. Um, you know, we've kind of met a lot of other podcasts and guested on a lot of other podcasts. And just through that, you, you just start to kind of make you're able to make those connections and kind of bring things a little closer together it's an interesting show in the way that um you're not affiliated to the estate but you have the great guest even but do you know what i mean sometimes a lot of podcasts that aren't affiliated to an estate of something like this they'll they'll just be like a couple of people watching a film then talking about it whereas you've got this added bit of the the guest which wouldn't normally have in that sort of podcast if that makes sense yeah it was interesting i think early on we decided to try and have like a fourth voice like a guest every episode because it could have easily been the the show where it was just three of us and any guest uh, any guest episodes were special interviews or whatever but you know from the fourth episode onwards we always had a guest in with us and, and you know like we said from the start it was a lot of friends um but you're right i think it's it's been able to keep us kind of chatting these films as as vague trek fans and big movie fans and then branch out and get people involved so although of course we do we do still even now have episodes on occasion where it is just the three of us sometimes it is just three mates talking a movie um i'd say those episodes are quite few and far between now um but we do like to do them i mean genuinely because a the really the, the only reason those episodes don't happen that often is because we're usually scheduling a lot of guests um for the show and we, we usually kind of schedule quite far up in advance uh, for guests that we're wanting to get on and organize um but we do really enjoy uh doing episodes where it is just the three of us um because the whole reason we actually started the podcast originally which is something we didn't really talk about was just because we've all been extremely close friends uh since yeah around 2003 um so you know yeah coming up to 20 years in in about three years or so and Really, it's good. Matt lives in London. Uh, I live in the centre of Brighton. Paul lives out in the suburbs and has just started a family. Uh, so we've all got our own commitments. And we wanted to make sure we had an excuse to kind of make sure we were always regularly hanging out. Um, and that was the main reason we started the podcast, really, more than anything else. Uh, and the first three episodes were just the three of us um, before we actually started to get guests on with the fourth episode. And like I said, we do now. It's, it's kind of thing where we, we try and look for an opportunity 
to have an episode where it's just the three of us more than anything, don't we? Like, yeah, you know, well, this, is, this of, is the thing. Like before, before this year, of course, we we did them all in person if we could. It was yeah. only, it was only getting the the guest for a certain interview in in the room via Skype. But the fact that this is you know a, a show with a different kind of guest every time, if we can help it, and they were all done in person. I mean, that goes to a lot of organisation. And I think what mm. helped was our commitment to just having two months. Uh, two months two episodes a month like a kind of bi-monthly schedule like if this had been a weekly show or even a fortnightly show i think the added pressure of having stuff out would have meant less guests or more remote recording or whatever it would have would have been to make it work but the fact that we could be like all right we only need to bank two episodes to have a set for another month meant that we could plan around that and we've always been at least one or two in front sometimes more sometimes less but it meant that we could arrange these and then this was the thing like i would come down on the train to Brighton every time we recorded and then if there was a certain guest that was based up in London or had a recording studio up in here like the Empire magazine guys like Liam and, and Paul would come up this way so it, it was kind of getting a bit more 50-50 but certainly the first like two three years it was kind of I would arrange my monthly sort of jaunt down see the guys hang out have a weekend and then get a recording in or two so it was it was it was great and we look forward to you know going back to that as well I mean this is the thing now with the with the pandemic and remote recording it means we're currently you know trying to bank a whole bunch more than we would and the guests are still there but they're remote as well and then hopefully things can get back to normal as uh 2020 roll uh, 2021 rolls around yeah i hope so um yeah no definitely and i think it should be stressed that officially uh, we've always been a monthly podcast i mean so even though i'd say in general most months we tend to put out two episodes um officially we're still just a monthly podcast so we only promise one episode uh, per month so I think that gives us quite a lot of latitude um, in terms of organisational uh, time and stuff like that but it just also allows so if we want to put out more than one episode in a month as a bonus episode we can um, but if we just only have time to do one then we're only committed to that um, so I think that's quite helpful as well so when it comes to researching for the show, how much Star Trek do you actually yourselves watch and what do you use to uh, research for the show? Well, it's been, luckily, you know, pretty much the entire Star Trek canon TV-wise is on Netflix and has been since we started. It's only been recently like Picard has drifted over onto Amazon and Lower Decks, new animated show, still has no UK reader release, so some of these have been staggered out. But having every episode of the old shows at our fingertips on Netflix has been really handy. Uh, sourcing the films is pretty easy as well. And then it's, you know, as we've gone through the shows, we have been watching episodes of them outside of scheduled viewing to try and build up our kind of uh, experience with it for when we eventually come around and bring a, a novice on board. But uh, a lot of the times it's just, you know, we watch the thing that we're, we're, we're talking about and um, take uh, extensive notes on, on that and kind of maybe branch out a bit and see where certain uh, tangents take us and things. But it's pretty, pretty simple going, really. Yeah, I mean, we, like you say, um, I think the big outsider thing has been just watching more Star Trek um, than the actual show itself requires in terms of because of the fact that we're doing these new series of episodes where we kind of bring someone on board who's never really seen any Star Trek and kind of introduce them to the show ourselves, 
uh, that requires a lot of additional kind of home viewing for episodes we're not kind of covering exclusively on the podcast. Um, so I, I've definitely watched, uh, I mean, I've watched tons of the original series and most of the animated series. Um, I've watched a lot of TNG now, and now I'm going through the stage of watching a lot of DS9. Um, so there's there's that kind of building up our own kind of knowledge uh, of it so we can build new episodes kind of around that um, but also I'd say with me um, I kind of bring a lot of research on on myself in terms of you know if I'm if we're doing a movie for Spotlight of the Movies or something like that I am the kind of person who likes to really deep dive um, into a, a film so if I see it's, it's written by a certain screenwriter or written by a certain director who I feel that I don't have enough experience of and I want to know more before I talk about in depth about their work then I'll quite often do kind of a season of, of movies by them um, or for instance when we did our Police Academy episode recently uh, with Dan Thomas on Police Academy 5 Silent Miami Beach um, <laughs> I rewatched the entire uh, Police Academy film series. Oh, you poor uh, fool! That. Yeah, so I could try basically go right, we, we, you know, kind of put this in the context of the other movies again because I hadn't seen them in years. Um, so I guess it's kind of you know, really all that's required is just watching the actual thing we're going to be talking about on that episode. But sometimes, you know, additional additional viewing for me kind of helps enrich uh, my experience and kind of what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. I'm just trying to think of you going through all of those different uh, Police Academy films now. <laughs> oh, what what an experience, Martin. Martin, are you a Police Academy fan yourself? The first two films are classic. Yeah, yeah first two <laughs> films are great. Oh, yeah, see, I think, that's, I think that's right. I think first two films are the ones you could genuinely recommend to someone. Yep. And then the rest are kind of, you know, if you're a glutton for punishment. Um, <laughs> also, with, uh, with the interviews, I think... With that, I think they require quite a lot of research because you don't you don't want to fall into that trap of just reading their Wikipedia page or something like that because you know you can come up with there's a lot of truth or bullshit um, on there and you, you want to have some kind of more slightly deeper questions and you want to know a bit about their work at the end of the day you want to do some real research into you know what they do and who they are so you actually have some knowledge of kind of you know what you're talking about because i think for me i I personally get embarrassed when i hear kind of interviews with people and it's very obvious that the person interviewing knows nothing of their work or you know something comes up where it's like you not necessarily you have to have read it or watched it or anything like that in terms of but just to not have a working knowledge of the work of the person you're talking about, I think it can come across as really unprofessional. So I think that's important as well. Yeah, there's nothing worse than an interviewer asking somebody a question and them saying, that's not true, that wasn't me, or something. And then yeah. it's, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we actually, we, we had that on, um, on the Richard Donner interview. Obviously, this isn't in the podcast, it got cut. Um, but there is a part, and it, I mean, to be, to be fair to Paul, like, I wouldn't say this is his fault because I've read Richard Donner's biography for the interview, and it's okay. mentioned in that biography. Um, so I'm like, well, it's in your authorised biography, mate. So <laughs> he's yeah. wrong. Um, and Paul mentioned that apparently at some point in the 80s, uh, Richard Donner was 
uh, rumoured to direct a, the Batman movie uh, that Tim Burton ended up directing with Mel Gibson as Batman, um, <laughs> which was apparently mooted. Um, but when he mentioned it to uh, Dick Donner, uh, Dick shot it down immediately and was like, oh, you're thinking of someone else. So, <laughs> you know, it kind of just goes to show, kind of, you know, how... Uh, difficult those things could be if you haven't got something verified yes makes you wonder if he used a ghost rider for his autobiography yeah uh, well, well it, was his, it was his biography so it was written okay. by someone else, Somebody else. Uh, but he was but he he was like he did sign off on it so maybe yeah maybe he just did but maybe he used a ghost he's skim reader. red uh, <laughs> rather yeah. than a ghost yes. have you got any standout moments from any of the shows that you've done over these ooh, four years then uh, Matt, do you want to say what your stand-up moments are, and then I'll, I'll say mine. Yeah, I think you know, outside of our, outside of our biggest interviews, like with Dick Donner and Shazad, like Shazad was definitely one as well, just because it was a rare chance to have a huge guest for the show, but also do it in person, and just to you know be there with him and have such a great chat with him, and to you know find out just how how great of his time he was and how generous. That was fantastic. Um, a moment of the show that I always remember that isn't really in the show it's around the time we'd been going for about five or six months and of course you know when you start a podcast you know every, you know podcast growth is exponential so it's a slow beginning and I remember us we went out to Spain for Paul's stag do and I remember us being out there and following the uh, the download number and we ticked over onto 500 downloads while we were out on the stag and we were like hey oh, like this is, God this is phenomenal God, news. yeah and that was God, only that after seems... yeah I think there was only like seven episodes that we'd released at that point but that was it took about you know nearly six months to kind of get that many numbers we were just like yes and now you know that feels forever ago but I always remember yeah. that I always remember um, for some reason I always come back to us recording our movie ranking episode as just being a hell of a fun time because there's this whole bit in it when we're trying to like say yeah Paul there's a moment where Paul's saying how much he absolutely loved a certain film and then he looks down to his list and he's put it at like ninth out of 12th or something and we just die laughing and then that kind of like because that was one where it, took, it came back to being the three of us again and like I just remember having such a good time on that kind of like summarizing everything we'd done so far at that point it was about the kind of one year anniversary of the show it was, it was just a real good time uh, and, and now going forward you know the way we've branched out and getting getting to have certain guests come back like guys people we love who we maybe didn't know before the show but now consider friends getting them back it's it's a lot of rewarding stuff going on so it's it's fantastic yeah that Almira one is really mad because like you say I mean that was very very early days um, into the show like you say I think we'd released maybe like six possibly seven episodes at that point and it was a case of yeah it, it, yeah I'd completely forgotten about that and it now seems mad because obviously that would have been kind of uh, early 2017 time um, and all this kind of years later kind of thing that now seems mad that we were kind of excited about crossing a tiny little number like that <laughs> kind of thing like and now like you know kind of where we're at now and everything like, it seems seems crazy but that's you know just shows kind of how much kind of we've grown over the years and such like because that's when back when we were pretty much doing it just the three of us like for me um, uh, I mean there's loads there's loads over the time to be honest that we've done like um, I mean obviously yeah Richard Donner that's that, that's a huge one for me just because 
you know, he's someone, you know, I idolised way before the podcast, um, you know, outside of the whole kind of track thing was a you know a leg a legendary film director and i never dreamed that i'd be kind of just having a chat with him like uh on skype so you know that was a that was a huge huge deal i mean especially you know when we were interviewing him i think the moment where he'd given us an hour of time and it got to the hour point and his kind of secretary actually came in with a note to basically tell him you've done your hour like you don't have to do any more, you can sign sign off from these guys. And he, he said he opened the note. He said, "Oh, I've just been handed a note here." And he said, "Oh, these guys are a real pain in the ass. You can tell them to stop now." Kind of like yeah. And he was like, and he just screwed up the note and handed it back to. Him. I was like, no, 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 we can keep going. Like yeah, and just was like happy just to keep on chatting. And in the end, like about half an hour later, it was actually us who said, oh, we'll, we'll sign off because we don't want to take up any more time. But he was just happy to keep on chatting. So, I mean, that was to get that respect from him was incredible. Um, Bye, mate. Like, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the ranking episode that you referred to, Matt, that's a real favourite of mine as well. Uh, just being the three of us, I think it's definitely one of the drunkest recording sessions we've had. Hundred percent. There's been We're, a few. Like, there's definitely yeah. been ones with Paul and you, especially recently. Yeah, yeah. Me, I, I was very it. drunk during the Police Academy episode, as you uh, had to have been. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but the ranking episode that was so much fun, and I think it felt like a grand culmination of everything up to that point as well. And uh, I think, considering, I think there was kind of almost an end of term type vibe to it, and it was, and you know, the whole thing of. Um, for that episode is the episode where I have uh, took on the form of Mr. Halliwell uh, <laughs> yes. the famous film critic to kind of you know uh, talk about the Star Trek films that was really fun um, oh this is this is a really early one when uh, Paul made us Dr. McCoy's old fashioned Tennessee baked beans uh, on That's our so good. episode uh, we did it, which was our Star Trek 5 Final Frontier episode and in that uh, film, uh, Kirk, Spock, and um, Bones eat kind of these beans around the campfire and have some whiskey and stuff like that. And so, literally, Paul got the recipe out of the official Star Trek cookbook and um, cooked up. He, Paul's an amazing cook, isn't he? Uh, oh, yeah. He's and, the best and he cooked up uh, these beans for us. And we had bourbon and everything like that. And it was it, while we were kind of doing the show, and it was it was great. We recreated the campfire. That's a real special moment. Um, obviously, I think starting Spotlight the movies is a, is a big hit for me because we did that. We recorded it in my hotel um, on the day we went to the London Podcast Festival and saw James Bonding uh, live, which was obviously the inspiration for our podcast. Mm-hmm. That was that was a huge moment. Um, I always love doing the Christmas specials with you guys. That's a big thing for me. I really enjoy them. Um, I, I think going to because like like I said, we've had a lot of people from Empire Magazine on. Uh, so Nick Desemlin, who's now the deputy editor of um, Empire Magazine, uh, James Dyer, uh, who's one of the hosts of the Pilot TV podcast and also the Empire um, podcast as well and writes for them. Boyd Hilton, who's just become their TV editor. Uh, Chris Hewitt, um, as I say. and We've had all of them on the show and the first one we had on the show out of them was Nick 
and it, we came up to just the Empire offices to do it. And I think, you know, as three kind of movie geeks, uh, we, we were all raised on Empire magazine, you know. I mean, I was buying Empire uh, when I was kind of, you know, I, I don't know, like uh, 12 or 13 or something like that. I was buying copies of Empire. Yeah, I've got a huge and, stack of old issues back in my parents' house somewhere, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think to find ourselves in the hallowed halls of Empire magazine um, and re- actually recording there... Uh, Really, it did feel really special. I think to be kind of be accepted into that world, and then eventually, uh, we've been up there a bunch of times now. But the last time we actually recorded in the Empire Podcast Studios on their mics and everything like that, which was our last recording session in person in March uh, with James Dyer, and that was amazing. And it was a nice last recording session to have in person. But I hope it's not the last one. That was a really huge thing. Um, and obviously like you say Shazard as well I think Shazard is a huge one because being someone who literally basically the male lead of the new Star Trek show and to actually just be welcomed into his home and actually into his bedroom to record the uh, podcast that was, felt really amazing uh, and that was a really intimate conversation and um, yeah he was such a nice chilled guy uh, and that was so much fun so I think those are definitely some of the high points for me uh, but I think I think like you say getting to know some people um, through the podcast has been really incredible um, Bob Salen uh, the producer of Roth Khan we've had him on the show twice and the second time um, was in person because we interviewed him on the show in 2017 and me and him kept up an email correspondence over the years uh, lovely, lovely fellow, and he originally, when he was going to come on the show, it was actually going to be in person because he just happened to be coming to London um, for a kind of trip with his wife. Uh, at his time, I think his wife had a fall or something like that, and so they they couldn't go. And but he said, "Hey, if, when I do eventually come over to London, we we, we will meet." Um, and, and you kind of think, "Oh, yeah, okay." But then three years later, um, when we were kind of, well, two years in, 2019, he actually was, yeah, we're coming, we're coming over, this is where we're staying, do you want to meet? And so we met him in this kind of exclusive club um, in Mayfair in London, and we recorded a special podcast with him then, and we just kind of hung out and had dinner with him and his wife, and it was absolutely amazing. I mean, he is an old Hollywood legend, and you know it was just incredible just to hang out with him and his wife and kind of hear stories and kind of you know actually kind of meet him properly that was that was incredible um also become good friends with michelle specht uh who's one of the lead actresses from star trek continues probably the biggest uh star trek kind of fan series out there who's been on the show and she's real friend to the podcast really good person she'll be coming back on soon as well uh so just yeah just actually becoming kind of buddies um with kind of guests who have been on the show i think uh, meeting new people as a result has been really lovely there's lots of people um, we could name check who have become friends because of the podcast. Yeah, yeah it's um, nuts what? hearing you lay all that out. And, you know, I, when we started the show, assuming it probably would just be the three of us in Paul's dining room for the whole time. And so hearing all that, you know, laid back out over this four years of history, it's like, wow, yeah, we really have had some great times. 
Yeah, totally. And I mean, without this podcast, I mean, Matt, you are now the host of more than one podcast. You are the host of another podcast as well, and possibly more in the future. And again, that's because of meeting people through this podcast, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we you know we created a, a we found a real niche, a real lovely kind of podcasting community bubble, kind of mostly pods based in in London and in nearby. And um, yeah, it was through us doing Spotlight that I became a fan of this other show called Sudden Double Deep, and then just through some random bit of kismet really like i retweeted one of their competition giveaways won the prize and when they asked for my address so they could send it to me it turns out i lived five minutes down the road and i had no idea at that point they were even a london-based podcast and so they came around dropped off this uh, dvd set and then we all met up not long afterwards and then became firm friends since so and now uh, yeah now i'm uh, one of the three co-hosts on their show so that's an insane kind of work around you know when you, when you think of butterfly effect moments in your life that's one that I do think about because something like choosing or not to retweet a tweet is such a specific thing you could have easily have just not done or done and it's like you know that that just snowballed the entire thing so it's insane do you think because of the fact that you're not uh, the average trekker do you think that makes it more interesting to the people that you're talking to because I know uh, there's a show I've got coming out um uh, is it coming out in the morning tonight where I talked to somebody who does a show with the lead singer of Marillion and I was saying yeah. to him that initially uh, I had this pie in the sky idea of talking to him and and the lead singer of Marillion about the show that they do together but then off air I said to him I said in truth I'm almost glad in a way that I didn't because because of the fact that I'm actually a fan of the band Marillion I'd be almost scared that I might respond almost in a fanboy fashion and be a bit even more nervous or whatever but whereas yourselves because you're not coming from that angle of being huge Trek fans you're asking them about you're possibly asking them questions that they wouldn't normally be asked and it's more interesting to them as as uh, artist shall we say yeah that's always been the hope and the way in that because it's been because when we've been reaching out to people like this it has been hard to say like oh you must get loads of requests from random shows and how can we best say like oh we're, we're going to be different from that because of our approach to it but also without going too far the other way and make them sound like oh well, you don't you don't you don't care then like what's this all about you know but it's completely right like i think if if liam was ever interviewing anyone from the sopranos he'd be a puddle on the floor so <laughs> or the bill or the bill yeah, all of them, all of them. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think, I think once we started interviewing people involved in the track world and started to build a reputation, because pr- pretty much in general, I would say every kind of interview that we've had with someone from the track world has usually snowballed into another interview with someone else later because they really enjoyed the experience. So they've ended up kind of recommending us to kind of someone else uh, to chat to. Um, so that, that that's usually kind of the way it's gone. Um, so, you know, I think people really do appreciate from that world, which is such a fan-driven thing, uh, thing where they will be getting just tons of questions about that all the time um talking about other things in their careers uh even though star trek might be the biggest thing in their career uh you know so i think it's always a nice moment where we surprise 
a guest that yeah. we've kind of seen something they've been involved in or we want to ask about something they've been involved in which they clearly never get asked about like um uh, with Bob Salin it was a big thing he he directed a film um, back in the day in 1969 uh, starring Albert Finney called The Picasso Summer um, okay. and I, I, I was instantly interested because obviously Albert Finney amazing actor and I was like wow like you know directed a movie with Albert Finney incredible uh, and asked about that and I, I watched it for the kind of interview and he was amazing he, he was just like what you've seen Picasso Summer like you know and he couldn't believe that he was kind of talking about it again for the first time in kind of decades um, and then when we interviewed Shazad Latif uh, at a certain point in the interview I kind of dropped uh, this big question on him about um, a small role he had in Ordinary Lies which was like a BBC TV drama that ran for just a couple of series he was only in kind of four episodes of it uh, back in the day but there was just something about his role in that show that really interested me that I wanted to ask him about and it, I, it was one of those things where he clearly had never talked about this before. It was like, okay, what's what's this? You know, this is a real surprise. And I think it's it's so fun to get those reactions where, you know, because I think instantly if you're talking to someone about something they've never really talked about before, it's going to be a fresher reaction. And I think that always makes for a better conversation. Definitely. It, it'd be like asking Brent Spiner about the television series Threshold, I suppose, from the early <laughs> noughties. Yeah, yeah, well, I'm mean, like, oh, finally. <laughs> yeah, at last. At last. Somebody's recognising yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it got cancelled, but it, at least someone's talking about it. <laughs> so, how do you actually record your shows and then edit them together? So. Um, yeah, we. I mean, at the moment, we are recorded remotely, like everyone else, really, um, during this situation. Uh, so we tend just to kind of uh, get on Skype or, you know, whatever's we can use at the time, uh, video recording, and all record our kind of sides of the conversation separately. Uh, and then kind of, you know, they all get sent over to me and I kind of sync them all up and then edit the show. Uh, back in the day, like I say, apart from the episodes where we were actually getting someone on who was abroad um, all of the recordings were in person and it, it didn't matter if we were doing it with a bigger guest or whatever the case if uh, I've got to say in general um, yeah everyone prior to the pandemic everyone who actually lived in this country um at the time we said let's do it in person and we did manage to get everyone in person even you know the likes of Shazad uh, Latif and that, that was a real thing because I think getting people in the room it, it's just often better it, it just makes for a more relaxed kind of conversation and you know you can actually see the person in front of you and kind of connect with them in a different way uh, we, we've totally kind of you know got into the kind of groove of recording remotely now, um, and sometimes it does make stuff easier in a way. Um, but I definitely do look forward uh, to being able to be in a room with with the guys again and, and actually meeting our guests in in person. Mm. Uh, I think you kind of make more of an impression as well uh, on on the person you're speaking to kind of, you know uh, if you're actually meeting them in person um, in terms of the editing process uh, when we started the show 
Paul would do the editing, uh, as I think he kind of, you know, um, I mean, I, I, I did a- a editing at uh, university and everything like that, um, but I think Paul had kind of edited all of our short films that we'd done together and it, kind of, it naturally kind of fell to him uh, to kind of do it and we were kind of recording it his and stuff like that. And so he was doing the editing until uh, his uh, wife became pregnant um, with his son and then suddenly, obviously, his life became a lot busier um, and I basically kind of took on the responsibility of editing the show to kind of make more time for him because really uh, the most important thing uh, was getting him on as many episodes as we could because we know podcasts where you know one of the hosts has had a baby and that's basically left led to them leaving the podcast because it obviously is a huge undertaking um and it's, it's a lot to take on and i think sometimes it just leaves no time um for doing some of the podcast and the end of the day the, the most the fun part is us all getting together as friends and that's the the thing we wanted to retain so if you know i took the load uh off paul's about doing the editing uh, then it allows him a lot more um, time to be able just to come on and join us for the records. Um, and I think now that that's kind of the way it works, I think really in general, Paul's there for most of the recordings now, uh, which is fantastic. Um, and, you know, to be honest, I have really, really got into the editing uh, process and now really enjoy it. And now I, I can't quite imagine not editing um, the podcast. Uh, now I've been doing it for kind of well over a year. Um, stuff and get really into the nitty gritty kind of granular uh, editing process. I take a lot of time over it and kind of with each episode, kind of refining uh, the show more and more. Um, and you know, I hope people can hear that um, in the podcast as well because now I kind of go back to some of the earlier episodes and think oh god I, you know I've completely re-edited this and actually weirdly enough um, recently we did an episode where we actually included a portion of the interview we did with Ronnie Brown Jr uh, who's one of the actors in one of the regulars in Star Trek Discovery uh, and we interviewed him a couple of years ago but there was a portion of the interview uh, that was kind of very closely related to Black Lives Matter when obviously uh, George, the death of George Floyd um, blew up and everything like that we kind of felt it was important to kind of uh, address that on the podcast and part of that was a kind of a portion of that interview repurposed uh, for that episode and so I essentially edited together a, a portion of that interview for the episode so essentially was able to go back and re-edit um, this older episode and I was like oh god you know not only was I cutting it down anyway but I was cutting lots of bits out that now if I'd been editing the show that they would have gone straight on the cutting room floor in terms of you know uh, get rid of as many ums and ahs and all that kind of bullshit oh, Paul's just and slacking eh what a, what a... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know but no it's just, it's just a case of kind of refining what, you know the work that we do and I think that's kind of important to always be striving uh, for better um, with the products you're putting out it's interesting just to pick up on something you mentioned there about that editing is where you took that uh, bit from that interview that's the thing with Star Trek that I think is missed by a lot of people that don't watch it is the fact that 
because it's science fiction series it was always looking at social issues and putting them into a science fiction show to try and get those issues across but in a way that w- people would not notice so much the the eye people and things because of that you can actually when you do special episodes like you're on about there you can star trek can be used a lot in getting that sort of point across if you wanted to do a show about say oh how does star trek look at this issue in uh, in history or or whatever yeah that, that's completely true um and we have done episodes uh on that side of thing we we did an episode with um my friend David, who I've mentioned before, called The Morality of Trek. Um, we did an episode um, with a brilliant uh, feature film documentary uh, director called Paul Sung, um, who uh, directs kind of political uh, documentaries. He directed a film about the Sleaford Mods um, and he, with them, and he also directed a film called Dispossession um about kind of the housing crisis uh which is really really worth watching and he came on and talked about yeah how how star trek uh basically tackles kind of, you know social issues uh, through through its show and always always has right from the beginning um you know there, there's a brilliant scene uh in a early episode of star trek the original series i think it's the first one with the romulans um, in a balance of terror and there is a moment where a character kind of shows a micro is a, is a microaggression uh, uh, essentially towards Spock um, for, because he comes from a race that kind of looks a lot like the uh, Romulans and uh, basically Kirk turns around to him uh, the captain and um, basically tells him you know to leave any bigotry in his quarters and they won't have any of it on the bridge of the Enterprise. And that is a huge moment uh, for a show in the 1960s to kind of be making that statement um, over something like that. There's not even a kind of blatant bit of racism yeah. um, or anything like that. And I, I think that kind of set the tone for what this show is. And he's it's always tackled those issues. Yeah, Star Trek's um, yeah. always been the, the banner for this, hasn't it? You're right. And it's like, you know, the 1960s show, obviously, you know, there's as equally as much as it you know, gets wrong just through being in its place in the 60s. But the, the TV shows and the movies have always held up this ideal of this, you know, idealized utopian society. And, and, and you're right, like sci-fi as a genre is, is in the perfect place to deal with. I mean, that's what sci-fi is at its best. You know, it's looking at prescient, modern problems through this other lens and you know some people can absorb the show as a bit of uh, escapist entertainment and not realize that they're, they're getting these messages through and then other people explicitly look for it and it's the people who are quite adamantly against either the direction of the show nowadays and it's like you know this kind of toxic fan culture that kind of almost forget where it's been coming from all along and where it still is going and it's like you know just if you just look back at this when you're a few more years ahead you'll realize oh yes maybe i was not quite as caught up as as the show was at this point yeah, it's well, well. Something else you've 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 sort of touched on there is the the fan thing with when uh, when Star Trek Deep Space Nine started, and uh, then you had it with Voyager as well, where you had the uh, oh oh it's a black it's a black person in charge of in charge of in charge of the space station, or you've got a woman in charge of the um, in charge of a, a starship, and you think to yourself, now hold on a minute, Star Trek has always been about inclusivity and getting these points across 
uh, and that that's one of the best things about it. Yeah, 100%. It, it is one of the best things about it. Infinite diversity and infinite combinations, um, as was once said. And yeah, I I literally, when people, kind of these toxic fans, and we've talked about this on the show, kind of come out and kind of lambast against something like Star Trek Discovery for having a black female lead and stuff like that, I, I just kind of think, what, what show have you been fucking watching all these years? Because literally this is what the show's always been about it's always been groundbreaking um you know Nichelle Nichols roles Ahura in the original series was was groundbreaking in terms of yes you could look back at it now and it, by today's standards it, it wouldn't work in the same way but at the time it was it was a huge thing just to have a regular um black female character kind of on the bridge who had kind of agency of her own everything like that it's just it's so you know i i don't i don't get where these people come from the kind of toxic fans who kind of rally against um that kind of stuff within within star trek um but you know i think that's probably the benefit of kind of, you know, being non-Trekkies ourselves. You know, we're outside of that kind of fan culture world, so we kind of view it uh, from an outsider perspective. And, you know, to us, it's just always... This is one of the things that attracts us and warmed us to the show um, and to, to the franchise. So, yeah, it's, it's a great thing as far as I'm Yeah, we, we get to see it as it is, not how we want it to be. Like, I think a lot of these fans, I think a lot of the problem is it comes back to, you know, outside of the ones that are overtly racist or, uh, you know, hate-filled, I think a lot of it can come back to just the way nostalgia works these days and people are, are rooted to how it was. So how it was for them might have been, say, Voyagers. They're like, oh, I, I, that was my way in. And if it's any different from that, I'm going to kick off. And then older ones, you go back to next gen and original series. And I think everyone, every Trek fan has the, the part of it, I think, that they hold most dear. And if it starts to go too far from that, I think they get a bit angsty. Whereas we never had like a, this is our thing. I think, I think Paul would have had you know one of the films and one of the series is his favorite and stuff but uh we never kind of came into any of this and all the new stuff that's come out from it going like well this is how i remember it and how i want it to be how dare it change because surely if you're a fan of the show you're well aware of the fact that it has 50 years of, of change and evolution behind it so you know to kick off about it doing something different now if you come back around to something like Lower Decks, which I think some fans have been like, oh, it's too funny. And it's like, well, this is the, the animated comedy show version. And, you know, there'll be another one around which does something different. Each show can do its own thing. And that's why it's such a great franchise, because you have so many different uh, tones and setups and just, you know, intentions for each of these shows. Yeah, I mean, my, my own personal track would actually be the original series, because that's mm. how I first started watching it. It was on the reruns of that, or the repeats. And then, funnily enough, my second favourite would be Deep Space Nine because of the arcs that you get in those later seasons. Um, what would be your own favourite uh, treks individually? Um, I think for me, it's... I mean, it's still JJ's first Star Trek film and I don't know how much of a of a you know blasphemy that is for any big, big trekker, but I think this is what JJ Abrams does so well. You know, he's a master at kicking off universes and casting and just sheer propulsion in action cinema like you know you watch that film and you, you know your fingernails are gripped into the seat by the time the kind of pre-titles bit with Chris Hemsworth is, is finished he knows how to get you in 
And it also had the benefit of having of, of tackling a reboot in what I think has been the best way that anything's really done it, in that everything that happened before still exists. It's just shit shunted over onto a parallel timeline. And you can see how quickly that the, the benefits of that idea start to falter when you get to something like Into Darkness, where it's like you've got this brand new timeline and universe to explore here, and he instantly starts to try and do Ratha Khan again with some changes. But in terms of that first film, I think I think it's an incredible feat of, of filmmaking. The score's amazing. Uh, the cast are incredible. And I just really love it. So it's that and definitely the Ratha Khan in terms of the classics for me. And I think in terms of TV as well, DS9 is quickly becoming a favourite alongside original series. Original series I can easily put on it's like the um original twilight zone series i'm a big fan of as well i think i think serialized you know standalone sorry storytelling from that era is so strong and powerful because the writing's always there and this was it really was exploring a lot of new concepts that hadn't been seen before and has since been imitated so i think the, the classic iconography of the original series and then what ds9 does with serialized storytelling really uh, grips me in yeah, I mean, with, with, with me, um, yeah, I, I agree that Star Trek 09 is definitely a big touchstone. I think when we did our ranking of all the films, which was obviously a combined kind of ranking between the three of us, uh, I think Star Trek 09 did come out on top, uh, which I, I think was a yeah, source of great controversy um, <laughs> for our listeners who are kind of, you know, hardcore Trek fans. Um, with me in terms of the films my favourite film personally is Star Trek First Contact uh, which is the first properly TNG film because obviously there's generations which sort of cross over between TNG and the original series um, whereas First Contact is, is the crew just on its own of, of Next Generation uh, and I, I think that's just a superb film I think it's brilliantly directed made on every level great action really really dark I mean it's, it's probably you know as dark as the kind of films ever went um, and I think Patrick Stewart is really getting to dig his teeth into the acting there and show just how fantastic he is in the role as Picard um, in terms of the TV shows I kind of feel I feel hard placed at the moment to really say what's my favourite because I feel like we're still on this ever evolving journey, um, you know, of discovering more of each Trek series. You know, the only the only Trek show I've seen every episode of is Star Trek Discovery, um, and obviously Picard now as well, um, because that one I've been watching from the start as it came out. I'm a big fan of Discovery. I think it's great. Um, I know lots of people have problems with it, but I, I really love it. Um, I'm really loving this new season as well. We'll obviously talk about that on the uh, podcast when this season wraps up. Um, in terms of where I'm leaning at the moment, I think it's similar to Matt. Uh, the original series, I think, is, is pretty great because... Uh, I think a lot of those episodes that are just kind of standalone stories, kind of a lot of them are real touchstones for kind of just sci-fi in general as we know it today. They're kind of you know birthing a lot of ideas for the first time that kind of you know haven't haven't been taken up before, and you know I think there's loads of really fantastic episodes and I still think that is the most iconic crew you know you don't get more um, iconic than Kirk and Spock and Bones and everything like that they're the ones who if you go up to someone on the street they're who they're going to know and, and with good reason 
Um, I do think DS9, you know, I think at its best, I think is is probably some of the yeah best Star Trek ever kind of you know put on film. I think it's really sophisticated, um, deep kind of stories and character arcs that they're doing on that show, uh, especially the time it was made. That's really impressive. Um, but yeah, I think. I think I'll need to see keep seeing more before I declare what is my favourite Star Trek TV show or anything like that. Okay, what are your favourite um, non-Star Trek um, things that you've watched for the for your for your show? Matt, do you want to go or? Oh, you go. I need to think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, non-Star Trek things that we've watched for the show. Um, specifically, uh, I mean, out of the films that we've covered, um, you might have to cut some thinking time uh, here for a minute as I work my brain around all the movies that we've done. Um, uh, uh, we've done Star Wars The Force Awakens, which I absolutely adore. Um, that film it's my favourite of the new Star Wars movies um, I probably, it's probably my third favourite Star Wars film ever after Empire Strikes Back and uh, the original uh, Star Wars um, so yeah Force Awakens is probably uh, the favourite film that we've covered on the podcast outside of uh, Star Trek stuff I would say um, we have covered some other movies I really really like like the original Haunting uh, directed by Robert Wise uh, Inner Space which we did with Nick DeSemlin um, I, I, is a really great is a really great 80s uh, movie um, yeah I think they're probably kind of the best films I would say yeah, um, for me, there's definitely when you when we edge to the uh, sort of fifty sci-fi classics, we we done like the day they are stood still, which is a fantastic, yeah. very kind of Trek early Trek like movie, um, and then the seventies remake of Invasion of the Boy Snatchers, which was a fifties movie originally as well. Like I love that seventies one, Donald Sutherland. I think that's fantastic. Uh, those two great. Um, Stuff like we, we we me and Liam looked at the Dark Tower remake and that's on the opposite end of the scale. I'm a big fan of the source material there and and that movie was uh, quite famously had a lot of trouble and problems going through it and it just is a bit of a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean we've got so much great stuff in the uh, Spotlight of the Movies list that it's great to be able to pick out kind of random stuff from hit from time to time whether it fits the the season like we looked at a film called christmas eve which is this basically tv terrible tv movie with patrick stewart in um Mate, that is a, a theatrically released film like, see i keep forgetting because it's just that yeah, bad. yeah, yeah you, you want to forget <laughs> yeah and then yeah and then you know certain guests they, they they can pick out some real odd stuff from our list or, or, or the list that liam created of stuff that does involve big sergeant people in significant roles but um that's another good part of the thing you know if it was just another strand of the show where we we're talking about our favorite stuff it would get boring quite quickly if we're just like oh yeah and i love this and i love this so to have that mix of good and bad or even if it's something you haven't seen before and then you end up loving it that's that's another new angle so yeah lots of cool stuff 
Well, yeah, as you said, I mean, some of the spotlight of the movies have been guest dictated, so, you know, we'll, we'll send the guests the list and they'll choose what they want to come on and talk about. Um, so I think that's resulted in some interesting uh, picks, like Boyd Hilton uh, came on to talk about Showtime, uh, which is a kind of Robert De Niro, Eddie Murphy buddy cop vehicle, but it also has William Shatner in it, um, and that's pretty bad. Uh, but it was, but this the thing in terms of some of the worst films result in some of the most fun conversations. So I mean, I loved podcasting with Boyd; that was amazing because uh, he's he's just great seasoned uh, podcaster himself. Um, Robin Hood Men in Tights which we did with Rich Wilson uh, who hosts the Insane in the Men Brain uh, podcast a brilliant uh, podcast on men's mental health uh, he came on did Robin Hood Men in Tights and that was definitely I think it's our longest episode um, and that was one with just you and me Matt and that was just such a nice conversation which yeah. we did in person I think it's definitely so the relaxed. longest spotlight of the movies for sure yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think it is still our longest episode. I think, um, but it was just—it was just such a nice conversation. Just so, so good. And also talk about your other podcast, uh, Matt. We did, of course, Death Wish Three uh, with Daryl and Jeanette, <laughs> who are the hosts of Sun Double Deep with Matt. Um, his other podcast, and that was—it's it's a terrible film. But it is one of the most so bad it's good films of all time. I mean, literally, uh, I, I think I was delirious with enjoyment. By yeah, you can you can snip out any five minute segment of that and have a great bloody laugh. Like, there'll be stuff in it. Like yeah. it's consistently so bad it's good throughout the entire runtime. <laughs> yeah, completely. And uh, most recently, of course, was Police Academy Five: Assignment Miami Beach, which is definitely one of the most fun recordings for me. Uh, you know, we've ever had on the podcast with, with Dan Thomas who's a Welsh comedian and uh, podcaster uh, he's literally just launching his new podcast now uh, the podcast with no name which is a Clint Eastwood filmography podcast um, and he came on to do Police Academy 5 and that was just so much fun he's, he, he, again terrible movie <laughs> incredibly fun conversation well you, you've already, I think you've already gone into this next one what other podcasts do you both listen to? Uh, yeah, I've got a good kind of like revolving door of stuff, and it covers a lot of a lot of different topics. Like at the moment, there's a podcast called The Art of the Score, which is a fantastic breakdown of film scores done by these uh, composers and, and music uh, academics. Uh, it's an Australian show, and it's quite intermittent with its episodes. They sometimes go months about dropping one, but there's a good little backlog of episodes there. Um, you've got Fake Doctors Real Friends the Scrubs Rewatch podcast which is just a joy of a time like I'm so glad that started pretty much as soon as lockdown the first lockdown side and it's been a real ray of ray of light through uh, this year um, you've got one called Finding Desperado which is back so this was called Finding Drago and it was this mini series seven episode mini series done by these two comedians as they investigated like a really strange thing that they came across which was on the wikipedia page for rocky four it mentioned that apparently some guy had written like a kind of fan fiction sequel novel and they became obsessed with trying to find out who it was and it's this insane like serial style investigation into the truth behind that 
And that's back for a second series now called Finding Desperado, in which they're investigating a claim that's in the 2005, I think, edition of the Guinness World Book of World Records, which says the youngest ever filmmaker was this 13-year-old kid who made a movie in the 70s, and they can't find anyone who has any recollection of who this kid is or what the film is. So they're trying to find out what the hell went on there. Um, and then we've got stuff like Script Apart, which is quite a, a great new... Um, show in which uh, an interviewer interviews filmmakers on specifically the first draft of a big film they've done so they've had Joe Cornish on talking to Tap the Block and things like that um, and a- the A24 podcast is um, a great show where they deliberately pair up two sort of interview subjects to interview each other so you've had people like Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah sit down and chat to each other and, and it's always people involved in various A24 projects which is great um, and then recently I've finally gotten on to uh, In Voorhees We've Trust with Gawley and Rust which was a it used to be a, just a paid premium show with Matt Gawley from James Bonding and actor Paul Rust as they went through in Spock-like fashion their, uh, or the Friday the 13th series so that's just becoming available now and they're going straight on into the Nightmare on Elm Street series and as a big kind of horror slasher fan this is really uh, on my wavelength yeah, I mean, for me, there are so many. I mean, I listen to too many podcasts, really, at this point. Um, so, literally, I, I would not be able to mention all the podcasts I listen to. Um, but I definitely want to look forward to every week is the Pilot TV podcast, um, which is hosted by um, two former guests of uh, Spotlight, James Dyer and Boyd Hilton, along with Terry White, who's the editor of Empire Magazine. Um, and that is just a show where they talk about basically um, cinematic TV, kind of prestige uh, television. They just review all the latest shows each week. And that is, uh, for someone who's kind of very passionate about cinematic television, that's a huge one for me. Um, definitely uh, a lockdown treat has been Talking Sopranos. Uh, for me, as a, I, I consider Sopranos to be the greatest work in narrative fiction of all time. Like, I absolutely kind of uh, slavishly adore it. And uh, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sherpa, who were two of the main actors in the show, have actually started a rewatch podcast of it where they're recapping each episode by episode and interviewing loads and loads of kind of people from the show. Because obviously, being that they were two of the main cast members, they have that access to get on kind of everyone um, from the show uh, who's been involved in it. So that's that's a huge one for me. Um, the Adam Buxton podcast that's always kind of you know just a, a comfort listen um, as you know if you're if you're into Adam Buxton and his humour uh, it's just a delightful warm hug of a show um, Sun Double Deep uh, you know obviously I'm biased because one of my best mates is, is now on the host of the show but I loved it beforehand as well um, it used to be hosted by Daryl Jeanette and Ben um, who uh, had a baby and unfortunately had to quit the kind of show Um, and it was a great podcast then Um, and now obviously Matt's uh, one of the hosts as well it's still an amazing podcast and I genuinely do uh, look forward to hearing hearing that every week Uh, and it's just 
it, 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 one of the um, podcasts that I say uh, as a passionate film viewer, there's certain things that I can point to that's made me even more passionate about film viewing. Uh, Letterboxd, which is an incredible uh, film website, uh, which we talk about a lot on uh, Spotlight, which is sort of like a social media for film where you can log all the films you've seen and stuff like that, um, really made me more passionate about kind of film viewing. And then listening to Sundog Deep uh, made me more so. I think mostly because Daryl, one of the hosts of the show, somehow watches more movies than any other human being on the planet. I, I literally do not understand how he managed to watch the films he does while working full-time <laughs> jobs and stuff like that. Two I jobs. don't get it. And, you know, I think that their, their passion for cinema uh, is it's absolutely infectious. So if you're a fan of film, um, that is a huge one. Other big film podcasts, uh, I'd recommend, obviously, Kermode and Mayo, which I think is a kind of go-to for a lot of people. But also the Pure Cinema podcast, um, which is the official podcast of the new Beverly Cinema uh, which is Quentin Tarantino Cinema uh, that podcast is great and Just the Discs which is actually hosted by one of the hosts of Pure Cinema uh, which is just all about kind of Blu-ray releases and I'm a big supporter of physical media um, so that's a, that's a huge one uh, for me um, and yeah I mean there's, there's loads uh, I, I think we could talk about kind of podcasts online. we've got it's one of those things where we've got a huge amount of kind of friends now who are involved in making great podcasts as well and we could just literally list list all of that <laughs> kind of thing like you know um, but they you know there are there are loads of uh, fantastic uh, podcasts out there uh, definitely um, but yeah there's there's a few a few favourites okay thank you very much what advice would you give to people starting out in podcasting um, yeah, so, I mean, I, I would say I, I'm a member of um, a really, really fantastic um, podcast group on Facebook uh, called the Podcasters Support Group. Um, might be called the UK Podcasters Support Group, maybe. Um, but it's run by Helen Zaltzman, um, who's one of the hosts of the Bugle uh, podcast uh, and a few other podcasts as well. And... I mean, that has been a massive lifeline, uh, definitely, especially when starting uh, the podcast. There's so much collected help and advice on there. Um, so, so just in terms of just having some support and uh, kind of a place to go to ask questions. And also there's such a deep bench now of questions that have been, oh, you can just search and find loads of answers to everything to do with podcasting on there. So I always say to people like, request to join that because it's, it's literally such a good resource. Um, I would say, because you get one thing that does come up there a lot is people with certain expectations of starting a podcast um, and then, uh, you know, it not being met. Um, I always say to everyone, if you are trying to start a podcast to make money or to, um, you know, or even just to win influence to have like 
loads of people listen to your show or kind of you know, get sponsorship or whatever, if that's the only reason, don't do it. Do, just don't do it because I, I think it's so oversaturated now um, with, with podcasting. Um, if you've got a regular listenership um, or, a, or a listenership that grows consistently, that's a, that's a giant win um, in regards. And we, we've been very, very lucky um, to have a listenership that's continued to grow, continues to grow uh, even now with kind of every passing episode that comes out. We pull in new listeners, and that's for me like that. That's just a giant win in terms of that. Um, but at the same time, the reason we started the podcast was just to have an excuse to hang out together uh, more. And we are creatives who enjoy creating. And I think you know, literally, if you if you enjoy it, and that's just what you want to do. Then it it really doesn't matter who's who's listening really or anything like that. If you if you enjoy the process, because at the end of the day, if you're if you're a true creative, the reason you are is you enjoy the process of creating. Um, so actually, it doesn't doesn't really matter uh, hugely. You know, if anyone's listening or not a huge amount of people are listening or anything like that, the the joy in it should come from the creativity itself. Now, if you know you do it for a year or something, and no one's listening to the podcast, you may find yourself going, "Oh, well, you know, maybe I'll I'll kind of resource my creativity in something else um, and try something different." Kind of thing, like you know, maybe maybe that's for the best. But at the same time, um, it's just yeah, never going mm. expecting anything from it. Uh, just going because you, you have. Um, you have a desire to create something and you know or you, you just want to hang out with your mates and do and do something fun and then you know if good things come of it it's a massive bonus it just is like like I say like when we started the podcast I could not have dreamed that literally a year after starting the podcast we'd be sitting down with kind of you know one of the most iconic film directors of the last 50 years um, to have a chat a woman we couldn't have dreamed we'd get to that place um, within such a short time um, I wouldn't have dreamed that we'd still be doing the podcast now um, or we'd kind of built the listenership that we have or anything like that like you know but those are all just bonus kind of features um, you know whatever the case I'd have had a great laugh um, with my two best mates in the world that, that that's it and so I would just say just go in with that approach and anything good that comes to the podcast is just an extra it's just a bonus uh, I think really psychologically that's the best way to approach it yeah absolutely I mean to add to all that that's that's it like we, we came to it with very pure intentions like we weren't we weren't kind of kidding ourselves or anything we weren't being naive we were just like if, if it's just an excuse for us to get together then we're winning and I think that that allowed us to focus on the show and look about growing it without lofty expectations that might have crippled us early on or, or put us off like we had no reason to be put off because we were just kind of diving in and even in you know 2016 it's not that long ago but it's still a world away from the amount of stuff out there now so it's like 
I guess my advice would be, if possible, find a new niche. Like, think, things are getting so nuanced these days when it comes to subject matter. I think if it's something that you can't... Because, you know, I'm one to talk. You know, we, we literally took on Star Trek, which was the biggest thing out there. But if you can find a new angle for something, that's great. And on top of that, if it's something like... Say you were just starting a general... A bunch of my mates will chat movie show, and it's something that... It, on paper is endless it's like we'll just do this week by week till whenever that can be quite daunting i think whereas if you have something that has at least some sort of not necessarily endpoint but structure to it so with us taking on the 13 movies you know we figured that's the first year of the show if it's something that has a finite goal to it or end to it or even something that can change as it goes on i think that's great um i think if you can be consistent in the show that's that's fantastic like if you if you're kind of changing things up as you go or your you know technical aspects will hopefully you know get better as you go you know we we started in a certain way and then we we've gotten we've gotten better as we've gone but i think consistent in what the show is tonally and what you're trying to bring to the table and then just stuff like you know be as social as you can like the amount of new support and friends and listeners we've 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 been able to garner through being active on twitter and instagram mainly um i think that's that's such an important thing and i think you know you will you will find your your circles if you find it's like it's like a you know a graduating class of school like i think you become like the the year or you know the class of whatever year and if you start your show at the same time as another show and you both kind of rise at the same time and you become friends or guests on each other then you can piggyback of each other and really kind of find your people as it were and so on top of that you know just supporting each other as much as you can whether that's leaving reviews ratings talking about it um talking about each other's shows i think just word of mouth has always been the way podcasts have kind of gotten by especially independent ones started by people in their houses as opposed to sort of studio-led funded things as well so i think in terms of the indie scene it's definitely you know you just gotta support each other and and keep pushing on so it's it's definitely possible there's definitely tons more you know there's infinite stuff to talk about it's whether you know you're you're fitting the bill you're 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 tackling the subject in the right way on and whether you know you're you've really got the passion to stick it out and give it a go yeah i mean i I think supporting each other like you say is, is so important um you know we wouldn't have kind of you know got to the place that we are without the support of a lot of other like incredible um podcasters uh along the way and you know people just willing to give their time their support um and yeah building that networking kind of you know just building friendships is really important obviously that's rewarding in its own way um as well and yeah i mean (sighs) It's one of those things where I think, as much as the the desire to create, um, as well, I think you also, like you say, you have to have a good angle on kind of what you. You know, I do think, you know, think about what why it is that you're kind of creating that podcast and what your kind of desires with it are um you know what your reasons for it creatively being as well i think is important and you know i i think it's important to try and get um as diverse a range of voices on your show as possible and we're three straight white guys um at the end of the day hosting a podcast which is you know something I think you could probably throw that out as a criticism, essentially, um, at our podcast and at loads of other podcasts. Um, 
but you know I think we have always tried to get uh, a reasonably diverse range of voices on the show um, you know I think we, we've still got work to do always try to improve upon that and uh, kind of you know get as many uh, diverse voices on the show as possible but at least we are we are trying to do that um, and working towards that um, you know I think that is important I think you know just brings a kind of a, a, a larger kind of range of interest uh, to the show as well so that's that's a benefit Okay, so how can people find your show and how can they contact you? Uh, yeah, so you can find us at the same thing on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, uh, which is at Spotlight Pod for all our kind of social medias. Um, we kind of keep them reasonably active, especially Instagram and Twitter. Um, the kind of Facebook is a is a bit of a placeholder, really. We do we do update it when there's a new episode, um, but yeah, there's an, a massive amount of stuff uh, going on there just because Facebook isn't hugely helpful um, in general with those kind of things. Apart from, like I say, groups seems to be the thing on Facebook. Like I say, that podcast support group is, is fantastic. Um, but really, our main socials, I say, is Twitter and Instagram. They're the ones that are really regularly updated, and we usually put kind of different content on uh, both of them as well. And you can keep up to date with everything we're doing there. Um, and also, obviously, you can find the podcast on kind of you know pretty much all major podcasting um, kind of you know. Uh, apps uh apple Podcasts, spotify acast uh podcast addict Castbox, all of those i think there's a few things we might not be on like i don't think we're on stitcher um and maybe like some other little ones or something like that but the majority you can find our show i'm sure you can get hold of it whatever kind of device uh you're using uh so just search spotlight and you should come across it okay right, well thank you once again for taking part guys and thank you everybody for listening and hope you listen again to another episode of pods like us be a good one to get like Dan on or so that I'll do a crossover with his new podcast when it comes yeah so yeah you right, mate you back hopefully back <laughs> okay cool cool nice one should we should we start it up we can do yeah yeah I think if we're all recording separately if one of us drops out of the call again but our record's still going then it won't matter yeah it so should, should be fun yeah because we've had that before mm. haven't we yeah, yeah, yeah. Martin, do you want us to do like, you know, a, a clap or something so you can sync these up? Um, I've got the uh, guide anyway that I'll use and then I'll just line it all up with the guide. Okay. Zoom. Cool, Mike. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're, if you, yeah, mate, if you're uh, confident and comfortable, that's all good. Uh, yeah, so I'll just start recording mine now. Yeah, I'll start uh, recording now. Cool. Okay. 
Right, let's have a look. Whenever someone asks me about recommending podcasts and stuff, yeah. I'm always like, oh, should I just mention all of the podcasts <laughs> my mates host? Well, yeah, now that we're at a all stage where like, we've got nearly double figures of podcasts that our mates do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I, that's well, I it, that's it. Like, for, for this question, I looked. I've got about 33 podcasts yeah. I listen to. I whittled it down to like, eight that were that lot I just mentioned that were kind of not all the obvious ones not ones that our guys had done and then be like I'll just say these few otherwise I'm just listing everything I listen to and also I've I've guested on loads of podcasts so you know you probably always just say all of those but you're like you can't be just mentioning all the ones that you've been on (laughs) you're just like like, hmm you should listen to this specifically this episode Uh, listen to this one this episode oh there's an excellent episode on Dead Man's Shoes I think you should listen to it Um, and yeah I mean obviously bygones like I mentioned earlier like like yeah. I think so you know it's that thing of yeah it's difficult man like it's uh, yeah nepotism also, <laughs> yeah exactly and also just listen to so fucking many at the end of that there is so many probably you can't mention them all um, so it's just it's just difficult man it's difficult but yeah I mean with, with SDD it's just a ge- that is a genuine because I'm like well I, I I loved that show anyway. Yeah, like, without you, at the end of the day, like you know, and I and even if I didn't know those guys, I think I love it. You know, still. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's a genuine, completely like concern. Plus, you know, I'm a fucking patient, mate. So you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm obviously a fan. Like, so you know, so yeah. I can't think of what's I'm coming out next. Um. It might, was, it might, it's, might be it's in a minute, isn't it? It's at midnight. Oh yeah, we'll find out. Oh well, that'll Is be um, Endgame. Endgame, yeah. And then my mini so deep cuts this week or next week. I chatted a few tracks from the uh, A Fantastic Fear of Everything movie. Oh yeah, your love of that film. Although yeah. I can imagine that the soundtrack would be one of the best things because it's the cooler shaker guy. Yeah, well, as I did it as a mini-sode, I just mainly talked about the main theme, which is really kind of Danny Elfman sounding, and then one does song he, in the middle. Does he do his own score, which you would think um, he would, as he is a musician? He's involved in it. It's Michael Price, and Crispin Mills is credited on some of the tracks. Right, right. Um, but it's cool. Oh, it's funny if he just soundtracked it all with Cooler Shaker. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, just suddenly comes out, he's like, hush, hush, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I've but, come uh, in for this bit. Hello, mate. How you doing? Cooler Shaker, top band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Matt was just talking about um, the, the lead singer of Cooler Shaker has gone on to become a film director. He's directed okay. a couple of movies now. Um, and uh, Matt's talking about one of them on um, Sun Double Deep, uh, his other podcast. So, uh, so we were just chatting about that a bit. And just saying about how it's, with podcast recommendations, it's impossible to kind of mention everyone who you listen to because it's just too, too many. Definitely too many that I listen to. Some people would Yeah, say. 100%. Okay. It's been a pleasure, mate. Really, uh, really enjoyed it. Why, why did you start your podcast, mine? Um, because I will soon be fifty years old at the end of this month, 
I just thought I want to do something completely different. And some friends of mine, they started a podcast before the word podcast, I think, even existed, to be honest, because they worked for a radio wow. station in Mansfield uh, yeah. and just decided that when that finished, uh, that they'd carry on doing their own show. And it, it, it basically got onto internet radio stations, their show onto those. And so they do a podcast called Punky Radio. Okay. Um, and they said years ago that I should have a try at doing, doing a podcast. And I just seemed to find myself being, as you've seen through my socials, a bit of a podcast addict. So in a way, it's almost like a natural thing where I thought, well, how about, I actually start and get to know these people that they're almost, it's almost like when I've listened to shows when I'm at work, cause you know, I listen in the van at work while I'm driving mm. around do, doing site checks and whatever. Um, it's, it's almost like the old adage of it's company while you're there. And yeah. I thought, I wonder what these people are actually like. So I'll contact them and see if they want to chat and make a show out of it basically. And, hope that people will get interested in those shows themselves and it will give them something to listen to. So there you go. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah, it's a great idea. How did you find our show? Uh, because I'm a Star Trek fan. Okay. So I looked for Star Trek shows and then I, li I liked the idea of yours with it being coming to Star Trek without being, well, as we found out, it's not completely true, but two of you are non-Star Trek fans from the from the beginning. And it, it's an interesting way to look at it. It's like I listened to a Paul McCartney show where the person that introduces it, before he started the show, he'd only listened to like two Paul McCartney albums. So everything he comes to, with, with the odd exception, is brand spanking new to him. So it's wow. like looking at a subject that I'm interested in, but from, a, from, a, from an outsider's point of view, in a way, you're coming to it initially mm. that way and that's what i found intriguing and probably more interesting yeah i totally get that because i can i can see how like if you're a big fan of something it, you get a, like a perverse thrill introducing something you like to new people yeah. and that's what kind of this thing is where it's like well i know all about this stuff and i love it so i'm really intrigued to see new people i think that's why stuff on youtube like reaction videos are so big where you get all these young um like film YouTube people now posting up their reactions like I'm watching Die Hard for the first time. And you're like, what? Have you never seen this? And it's always these, it's always these massively well-known things. But they're saying, I've got no idea what happens. I haven't seen this before. And so you kind of get drawn in, and be like, what would a new person's reaction be like? Because I thought everyone in the world had seen X, Y, and Z by now. And finally, it's like, oh yeah, of course there are people who are still new to these things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. I think I think that definitely has been a benefit to us um in terms of just because like you say it's just it's a way of standing out from the crowd essentially um from all the people kind of you know the proper hardcore trekkies um chatting about trek in such and i think sometimes even if they're brilliant podcasters and you know i there's plenty of great uh star trek podcasts out there from hardcore fans um i think sometimes maybe it can come across as a little inaccessible um to people if they've kind of you know not uh if they they're not as well versed uh in the world of uh, star trek as the people hosting the show are um so you know if you're consistently approaching it uh from the idea of, of approaching something in a fresh way um 
even if you're learning more about it yourself, I think just immediately just makes it more more accessible. Well, even as somebody who, you know, I, I admitted this from, from the off, you know, being a, a fan from the 70s, from watching it as a kid, the the, the repeats, uh, listening to other people's, other people coming to it from a fresh point of view refreshes my own thoughts then because because then that makes me look at it from a different angle as well and i might think oh right i didn't i didn't actually spot that and i've i've watched like this i've watched like you know the, the enterprise incident that many times and wow they spotted that and i never saw that any time that i watched it even though it's one of my favorite episodes of the original series like balance of terror is also one of my favorites but it just mm. it gives you another way to look at something or me another way to look at something that I was already a fan of anyway, but it gives me fret. Yeah. yeah, it changes my it. It can change my how I look at things, and I think that's always a good thing with any form of art. Yeah, no, hundred percent, definitely, mate. You know, yeah. Right, is there anything that you think we didn't touch on that we should touch on? And editing. I don't think so, mate. I think we we I think we've covered quite a lot at the end of the day. Yeah, like pretty uh, in depth oral yeah, history there. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, pretty sensitive at the end of the day. Just wanna yeah, I was just interested, mate, just to hear your own kind of uh journey of that stuff at the end of the day. Like um yeah, no, I think we've I think we've covered a lot really. That's good. Thank you. Well, thank you again, guys, and I'll uh, I'll let you get on. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, mate. Cheers, awesome. man. Cheers, man. Much appreciated. Look after yourself, yeah. You too. Hopefully keep in touch. Yeah, 100%, mate. Yeah. Let us know when this is going to be out and everything like that. And obviously we'll share it on our kind of socials and all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, we'll go from there. I'll, I'll drop you a message about it. Okay. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, I'll talk look to you. Look after yourself. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Wait, wait, wait.